I told a guy I love him. What I meant to say was, oh, I love that. But I got so caught up that I yelled out, oh, I love you. And then all of a sudden he got this look on his face like Indiana Jones running from the big ball. Well, uh, Roz, do you love him? No, but I said it, so he should have said it back. It's just polite. There is no more emotionally charged phrase in the language than I love you. Some people are just incapable of saying it. It makes them too vulnerable. And that's from Fraser. And isn't that true that sometimes we say it too readily? You say it to your neighbor. You say it to your cleaning lady. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. But to the person who's most important in your life, to the person who you genuinely love or people you love, maybe your kids, sometimes it's hard to get those words to come out. And when that's the case, you want to take a closer look. Hey, what's behind this? Why am I not able to express the words. Why am I not able to tell my kids, I love you? What's going on there? If it's a mystery to you, you want to figure it out. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. I'm a clinical psychologist, and that means it's an opportunity for you to pick up the phone and give me a call with any questions that are on your mind, whether it's with your kids or your in-laws or yourself or friends. Why can't I just have a normal boyfriend? Why? Just a regular boyfriend who doesn't go nuts on me. <laughs> okay, my number's toll free, 1-877-DR-KENNER. That's toll free, 1-877-DR-KENNER. And you can also visit my website, drkenner.com, for books I recommend, articles, and podcasts. And right now, I want to welcome Marion to the show. Marion, you lost your daughter? Yes, ma'am. Um, I, it was five, about, about five years ago, yes. And uh, we were in a real terrible accident. Car accident? And, yes, ma'am. Okay. It, it, was a, it was a car accident. I was going to... Uh, a friend of mine, and uh, um, to be honest with you, I really don't know exactly what happened. If I was going too fast or if I fell asleep, I honestly do not know. But one thing led to another, and I slammed into a tree. And it was me and my older daughter and my son and my daughter, Katie. We were all in the van. Yeah. And um, we, all, we all survived. <laughs> But uh, uh, Katie, she uh, she did not. She she's in heaven. I, I I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a Lutheran Christian, and I I do believe that you know that she is in heaven, and I will see her again one day. Um, yeah. um, so what I, are you? What would you like some help with? Okay, I don't know how to. What's torturing? How do I, how do I deal with it? I guess because what I think now. I think it, but I know that it's silly to think this, but I'm always like, if I buy this or if I buy that or if I, uh, I don't know, if I, if I do this or do that, you know, if I clean the house, then, then Katie's going to come back, you know, and, and everything will be fine. But at the same time, I know that's not going to happen. I know that's not possible. <laughs> but Tell because, me about the part that says it's not possible. Part well, of you says it is, part of you says it isn't. There you go, yeah. Um, well, because I know that that um, we all survived, and she did not, and she is gone, and um, uh, she's gone, and we are still here on this earth, and that she is uh, with Jesus, you know? I, I know this, but then another part says that, that she's going to come back, and, and I don't understand why... 
I'm feeling these two different emotions. Okay, so um, when you have a conflict like that in your own mind that's really messing you up, what you need to do is resolve the contradiction because it can't be that she's coming back if you buy yeah. bananas or if you buy peaches and and you're waiting for her to come back and yet you've wrapped your mind around some dynamic like that, some um, pattern like that. And partly you want to be very, very good to yourself. It's complicated grief when you lose someone who is, it's not a timely death. A timely death is when someone is in their 90s and they die. Exactly. She's only five years old. And she's, that's what I was going to ask you. How old is she? She's five years old. And man, if I were the mom in that car, one of the emotions that I would feel would be terror and horror. I'm saying a few of the emotions and guilt. I would feel enormous guilt. Well, you know, I did for a while, but then I finally came to the realization that it wasn't my fault. You know, it is one of these things that happened, you know, and, and I, I'm not beating, beating myself up anymore. I, so I know. You, you've come a long ways then in the grief process. If you know that you didn't deliberately, you know, try to do anything and you no. know that you fell asleep or you might have been driving too fast, which all of us do so, at times, and that driving is, a, you know, you're going 60 miles an hour or you're driving... It can even, my husband and I had a head-on mm -hmm. collision in our driveway, a head-on mm -hmm. collision, and we were wow. both okay. We were going at slow speeds, but you, you know, strange things can happen. Yeah. So you can be very, as long as you've dealt with the guilt piece, that would be my first one. The second is the loss, the loss. The loss of a child is so painful. I've worked with multiple parents who've lost kids all ages, and it's so painful that you just don't want to let those last threads go. You want to think they'll come back. You wake up hoping they'll be there. You dream about them. The longing and the desperate longing is so deep that your mind can play. It's not that it's playing tricks on you, but your longing can make you create ways to think that you can be powerful to bring them back. Are you following me? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, you can come up with things that are almost, uh, th th they, there's no causal connection. Well, if I buy the groceries here, she'll come back. What are some of the other things you do to try well, to get her back? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, mean, I, I know it's silly, but that's where I'm at. But, but see, this, the part I, of you that, go ahead. Well, uh, yeah. If I if I if I buy a if I if I collect all the butterflies in the world, if I if I do this, if I do that, she's going to come back. But well, I know that's not right. possible. And the best gift you can give yourself is to have your mind connect properly with reality. Meaning, mm -hmm. if you know it's not possible, if you if the, if you're even using the word silly. Really let your mind explore that. You know, you can even sit down and write, I know it's not possible. The butterflies won't bring her back. It's lovely imagery. It could be fantasy. It is fantasy. But she can't come back. And help your mind grasp that the loss is final. Because See, part... I, yeah, I think I just haven't dealt with it. I mean, it's been five years. And I, I don't oh, think I Oh, then you can go back to... You can go back into counseling if that would... if I don't know if you were in counseling, but... Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a page right now from one of the top grief counselors that says there are, there are six processes of mourning the grief. One mm -hmm. is to acknowledge... Recognize the loss. You have to acknowledge and understand the death. It sounds like mm -hmm. you've done that. I know we're wrapping mm -hmm. up with time, too. You need to experience the pain. React to the separation 
and deal with any of the losses. You need to recollect, remember the the person who died, Katie, in ways that make sense, but you have to let go of the fact that she's there and build what's called a parallel life, a new life for yourself, and that's not abandoning Katie. It's You'll keep all of your treasured memories. You can't have her back, but you can always keep the memories. And you readjust to the world in a way that's much more adaptive for you, much healthier for you and for your other children. So listen, I want to wish you a lot of success with this, and you need to reinvest your energy in values that do exist while still, while still loving your memories of Katie. Thank you so much for the call. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on The Rational Basis of Happiness. Toll free, one dr Kenner. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke, who's world famous for his theories in goal setting. A note on selfish romance. Of course you can do non-sacrificial favors. Let's look at this issue from a genuinely loving perspective. If you adore your partner, you will selfishly enjoy doing things to please him or her. This doesn't just mean ceasing the annoying negative things such as calling your partner fatty or refusing to help around the house. It also means giving your partner positive values such as listening attentively, writing love notes, and bringing flowers. This is such an important topic that we devote all of part four to how to nurture your love for one another. You can download chapter one for free by going to drkenner.com and you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.